Welcome to our Reach Next Generation podcast. I'm Grace Jeffries and I'm thinking about my future. To help me with this, I'm speaking with successful women to get an understanding of the challenges they have faced throughout their careers, how they overcame them and what tips are for girls of my age. Today my guest is Nula Walsh, who is the founder of Mind Equity. Nula has had an amazing career and is also currently Vice Chair of UN Women, promoting human rights to neutralise gender inequality through advocacy and awareness. Thanks for joining me today, Nula. Can we start by you telling us about your career journey? Where did it start? Thank you, Grace, and I'm delighted to be here. Well, I have had a very long career, uh, probably over three decades at this stage, and my first role after leaving college was in consulting. And I had it was a marvellous foundation for what led to many years in investment banking, followed by asset management. And ironically, after all of that time, my latest role was as chief marketing officer for a FTSE 50 PLC. I unshackled myself, as it were, and went back to school. So I did a master's in behavioral science. I founded Mind Equity, as you just said. And I also founded the world's first global association of applied behavioral scientists. So you could say that I've come full circle, if you like. I'm back now doing consulting. And in addition, I hold a number of other advisory board roles in business and in sport. Um, so it's a very diversified career. So I think you'll see that there is no set path for anyone in, in their overall career journey. When you were at school and about my age, did you know what you wanted to do or be or did that happen later in life? That's a great question. I think that when you are well, when I was your age, um, no, I did not know what I wanted to do. I tell you what I what I did know was what I was interested in. And I think that's probably the, the most important thing. I started with an interest in human behavior. And my when I was looking at my options for where I would start, I wanted to do psychology. And as, as you can see, that I, that's where I've come full circle. So my overall interest was in human behavior. And I took that circuitous route. But I don't think that people always know what they want because you meet different people in your path and on your career and they help shape, influence what becomes more prevalent or not. So, for example, I was reading something the other day that showed that when people attend uh, university courses, it, 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 they sometimes say, well, they, you get a very diversified spread of what they want to do when they finish their master's. But in the course of the year, people then meet uh, people who think that investment banking or management consulting happens to be a great career choice. And when they're finished these this MBA, all of a sudden, the career options that people uh now say that they want are basically much less diversified. So I think the point is that you you grow your interests grow based on your peer group, based on the people you meet and who influences you. So what you think you want to do now isn't always what you want to do later. But you're, but the interest level, I've seen many people change their careers and, and adopt very, very circuitous routes. I mean, you can think of many people who've done it in, in their life. I think if you, Vera Wang is one that springs to mind. The fashion designer, I think she started as a figure, as a figure skater. 
Or if you look at Sebastian Coe, he started as a runner and a politician. And now, you know, he, he, he runs his own business. So many, many different roles. And of course, he's head of world athletics as well. So you see that there is no set route for people on their overall journey, which is probably good news for you. Well, I know you went to Dublin University. How important do you think it actually is to go to university, though? I, li- I like that question, Grace. I did. And in fact, I would say that I am a very committed academic. So I'm probably going to give you a slightly biased answer to that question. On the one hand, I have been, I have, I did, I, w- I went to three different universities and I did three different uh, master's degrees. And I did that again because it's what I enjoyed. So that's not for everybody. And I recognize that that's not for everybody. So if you're, if you want to be an actress, or an artist, or at sports, or a gardener. You don't necessarily need to go to university, but I like it. And I think it broadens your mind um, in a different way. I think it teaches you a different type of discipline um, than you gain from, from not going. Uh, it gives you a network as much as anywhere it gives you a network. So for me, I actually do recommend it, um, but only, only if it's something that people want to do. I mean, you'll find that One of my main themes for you is really you've got to do what you enjoy doing. So that that for me is is probably the bottom line. When we look at social media, which impacts on all of our lives, what advice would you give girls about my age about how to use it and not use it? Well, I assume you use it yourself, Grace, do you? Uh, yeah, but not none of the big um, social medias like um, Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. I just focus on YouTube and watch stuff. OK, well, I actually think that's very healthy because, you know, for, the, the problem, the problem is that a it's a distraction and it's it's not just a distraction. It is it is impacting how people think and how people behave because people are so addicted to it. The problem is that it does affect their decisions and it does affect the judgments that they make. So that's one angle in terms of people that are so cognitively overloaded that there are missed opportunities in business and in life. The other problem is for people, as you see, you're asking about people your age, it's probably the same for everybody, is that the negative feedback that people get from Twitter or even from Instagram has an amazing impact on people's self-image and self-identity. So for me, Instagram wasn't around when I was young. Uh, I would actually hate to be on Instagram. Uh, I'm not on it right now. I am very much on LinkedIn because it's a business tool. But for me, I would recommend that people uh, wean off Instagram. Uh, and I think for, for, for young girls in particular, I think the pressure to look good and to have the perfect photograph, I think, is a, is, is a terrible thing. It's something I'd certainly hate to be doing. I wouldn't have enough time in the day to Photoshop myself into into some kind of you know, images that, that I see there. So for me, it's about limiting the time spent. If it makes you feel good and you get positive reinforcement, then it's a good thing. If it teaches you, if it broadens your mind, then it's a good thing. But the problem now is that people are addicted to it. There are, you know, people are text driving. I think there are 1.6 million car crashes from people text driving. And it's an absolute distraction. So even if you're studying and it's beside, and the phone is beside you, if you if you if you distract, you know take away from your, your your studies or whatever you're doing, it takes approximately 23 minutes to refocus back on what you're doing. So for students and for people trying to study, it's a it's a huge distraction, and it's the same for adults. But I mean, given that you're asking about younger people, for me, it's everything in moderation, and I think it's just gone too far for too many people, and I don't think it's healthy 
uh, for, for them. The world is changing so much and so quickly. What do you think work for women might look like in 10 years time or hope that work for women might be like in 10 years time? Well, that's a nice question because, I mean, there's, a, there's an awful lot of talk about pay inequality and, you know, the, the, the differences in, in salaries and women trying to get to get to the top. As you say, I, I do work with UN women where the focus is on gender equality for, you know, for, for, for women and girls. And the focus is very much on girls as well. So I'd like to think that there's more equality. Uh, I think I have seen quite a bit of progress, not enough progress. And it's not just for women, but it's also people of other um, different protected characteristics as well. But in 10 years time, I think it's going to be a lot better for millennials. Uh, that you can see that you can see the difference. You can see the focus. You can see the rising sense of social conscience that people have right now. Companies are under pressure to do the right thing. There's a lot more accountability, a lot more visibility than there has been. The one area where I don't think it will change is probably in terms of the structural issues for different countries. Unfortunately, there's still a lot of trafficking of young girls, human rights abuses and women being used as weapons of war, if you like, um, which is a much slower process than it is for a company just to, to fix you know, the gender pay gap, which is arguably an easier an easier route at a company level than it is for a country level, which is, which is a bit of a shame. What tips would you give girls when they start to think about their careers and their future? Well, there are an awful lot of tips uh, that I could give, but I guess the one that I probably would, would give to a young girl is t- particularly with the pressure to be academically strong, the, the pressure to do well in school, and to, to get a job is to keep an open mind. I see more and more young people under pressure to do well in exams and to focus on where is the next job. It's OK. It's OK to to change your mind when you're looking at when you're looking at careers. Um, it's not the biggest decision. It feels like the biggest decision when you're making it, as do all decisions. Time is a wonderful uh mechanism to put things back into perspective but when you're making a decision it feels like the biggest thing in the world you also make people tend to make choices with either or either i'll go to university or i won't where in actual fact there can be a middle ground there can be alternatives that people can think about so the biggest thing really is is to keep an open mind and the the other piece of advice is is to network now everybody will tell you to network people don't like to network we all like to have friends but sometimes people don't network enough and for a young person, it's it's never too it's never too 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 late to start that. So from a career perspective, I think keeping that open mind and not seeing any decision as the biggest decision, I think is the is healthy and it gives people a better mindset and I think makes them happier in the long run. Well, I know that you're very focused on behavioural science at the moment. What particularly appears appeals to you about this subject? Well, again, that could be a very long answer and we could be here for a very long time. But I think in essence, the, what behavioral science is very simply about understanding why you do what you do. If you consider that you make 35,000 decisions every day, 99% of those are unconscious. Many of those you get wrong. And the problem with, with, with not being aware of how people make decisions is that you miss opportunities. So what I love about this is the fact that it gives you the opportunity to make better decisions, 
to influence other people in a far better way. And this whole this whole world, this whole area of understanding behavior gives you a power that very few people have. If you choose to take the time to understand other people, you gain an advantage that, that other people just don't have. And if you go back to your earlier question, because people are so busy, so distracted, their lives are remote controlled. They don't take the time. They rush to judgment. They make mistakes. They rely on misinformation and they don't take the time to listen, to understand and to rethink previous decisions. So an, an understanding of this field will, will, will serve will serve people enormously. It's not taught in school. It's not even taught in the boardroom. But making decisions has serious consequences. Getting them wrong has serious consequences, not just for, for the individual, but for all of the people around them, whether they're the people they, they care about or the people who are in their care. Have you had any mentors? And are there any people that you really admire? Well, that, that answer would probably change over the time. I, you, I have had a lot of mentors. I've had coaches, certainly in my commercial roles and business. Um, and I think what you find is that there are a lot of people who've played a role and acted as an informal mentor. So people who will guide you in your career. And maybe that's a tip I should have given you, which is to make sure that you have people. It's, it's different to a network, but it's people who you can go to for, for advice um, throughout, through, you know, when you have difficulties, because you will have difficulties. And as you climb the ladder, you will engage in many different politically sensitive decisions and you'll have make decisions where you're not particularly an expert. And there are a lot of people relying on you and you will want to get that right for as I said, not just for yourself, for your own career, but for the people that you're leading. And if you're in a, in a commercial role, it, it, it'll be customers. And obviously in a business role or in a government role, you're talking about citizens and you're talking about huge volumes of people. So in terms of individuals, I, I admire many people, but I, I suppose I would probably bring it back to people who have overcome adversity or have or, or who struggle. I mean, you know, if you think even maybe someone even just like like Hillary Clinton, it's not that I'm a particular fan. But I would empathize with her hugely for someone who lost the 2016 U.S. presidential election. And she had to pick herself up from, you know, what was a, a humiliating defeat from her perspective and many other people's perspective. And I did I did admire how she did that um, for something that was, again, something that was personally very difficult. And I see it in sports. I see it in sports all the time. People picking themselves when they when they fall, when they you know lose their center court glory. Um, when they miss out, and if you're an athlete and you just miss out by a gold medal just by a you know a second or two, it's 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 hair splitting. And for me, the people who can recover from that best, I think, do incredibly well. Well, I really enjoyed chatting with you today. It's been really interesting to hear about your career, and I'm sure a lot of what you've said will keep, will help those listening when they are thinking about their their future. Thank you for finding time to chat with me. Um, Nuda, keep listening to the Reach Next Generation podcast as I talk to many more brilliant women. Thank you to our sponsors, Haynes Watts and Levi Strauss, for their amazing support.